Hi, my name is Gina Stockton, and I want to welcome you to the Sacred Space Podcast. We are so honored that you are spending your time here with us, and today is an important episode because I want to talk about spiritual warfare and spiritual opposition. As believers, it is so critical that we have an understanding of what those things are, that we understand our authority, and how we are called to respond and engage when we're faced with spiritual warfare. So I hope you enjoy this episode and really find some confidence and boldness as you continue in your walk with Jesus. So spiritual warfare, spiritual opposition, what is it? Um, I think we all, if we're believers, have an understanding that there is warfare and there is opposition, that there's a spiritual battle going on. But I do think that for some of us, maybe it's a limited view, or maybe we have some preconceived ideas of what that may mean. And we may be facing warfare and stuff that we don't realize, or we're opening ourselves up to a battle that really is unnecessary. So I wanted to touch on this because I have a lot of friends and family, just particularly in the last few weeks, that are really facing a lot of warfare. And I think it's important for us to understand our authority, understand what this is, understand how to engage when not to engage, and um, what we are called to do as God's kids and what we're equipped to do when we're facing spiritual warfare. We're all probably familiar with the verses in Ephesians chapter 6, and that makes it very clear that this is a spiritual battle. Uh, Verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There is a heavenly realm. We do have uh, an enemy. There is a spiritual battle going on. But back in Ephesians 1, We're told in verse, what, 20 and 21, that Jesus, God placed Jesus in heaven at his right hand, far above all principalities, powers, dominions, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. So Jesus has authority over all of that. And as his kids, so do we. We have the authority of Jesus over spiritual principalities, powers, and all of those things. So what does that mean and how do we access and lean into that so i want to talk about that a little bit this isn't going to be a really deep and wide conversation i just want to encourage you guys to not be ignorant you know there's two places we can go as believers we can swing the pendulum one way which is to look for the devil around every corner and blame everything on him. Oh, I got a flat tire at Satan. Oh, I have a headache at Satan. Oh, you know, constantly, you know, there's everything that I don't like in my life is the enemy's fault. Now, all of those things the enemy can use against you, but that doesn't mean that everything that you don't like or everything that's not going your way is the enemy. That's not biblical and that's not true. We live in a fallen world. Life is difficult. We all can make choices. Some things happen that are as a result of choices we make. Some things happen as a result of choices others make. Sometimes the enemy is involved in that, and a lot of times he's just not. So we want to be careful not to hyper-spiritualize and try to blame everything on spiritual warfare. 
The opposite end of the pendulum is to be unaware and ignorant of warfare. Therefore, we're getting just beat up and tossed around. We don't recognize when something is opposition. We don't recognize that what we're facing is a spiritual battle. And we can find ourselves fighting and wrestling in our own strength in the flesh without engaging spiritually and we will run ourselves ragged and the enemy's laughing all the way to the bank because he has us so distracted in this battle that we're not fighting correctly and he is removing our attention from the things that we should have our hands to. So we want to be in that balanced place. We want to be intimately connected with God, with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit, where we're hearing his voice, where we have eyes to see, where we have discernment. And then we also are in a place of pure motives. We haven't allowed anything that is not aligned with the kingdom in to have authority in our lives so that we can engage. We want to be intimately connected with God, the Father, with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit. We want to be abiding in Him. We want to uh, have eyes to see our, our discernment in a good place. We want to be in the Word of God, which is a huge weapon. You know, you go back to Ephesians and the armor. The armor is all about our faith, our understanding of the word, having the word at the ready, uh, the peace of God, our salvation, the fact that we are saved and covered by the blood of Jesus that, that covers us and guards us, our, the breastplate, which protects in armor the heart and the vital organs. It says our breastplate of righteousness. Well, where's our righteousness come from? It's Jesus. He is our righteousness. So there's a purpose in all of the armor. It's just us living fully and accessing completely all that Jesus died for so that we can stand. And I think that sometimes we think as believers, if I'm saved and walking with Jesus, then everything's going to go good. And then we're confused if things are hard. But the Bible doesn't say that. It says we will face opposition. So in Isaiah, it says, no weapon formed against you will prosper. We quote that a lot. So it means that there will be weapons coming against us. But if we position ourselves, if we have not allowed anything contrary to the kingdom to have authority in our lives, then those weapons won't prosper, which means they won't have victory. They won't have the final say. So I want to share with you a couple of things that are super encouraging to me and that I think will encourage you. Before I do that, I just want to say, and this will be another podcast, um, we're going to talk about spiritual opposition. So opposition, I'm defining as when you are in a place where you're going after Jesus, when you're, you're pursuing God, you are leaning into your purpose and you're engaging in something that is going to further the kingdom, whether that is for yourself personally, or whether that is serving or in ministry, but you're, you're going forward, you're leaning into what God's called you to do. You will face opposition, spiritual opposition. So something that's coming against you, trying to stop that forward motion for the kingdom. 
there is also warfare. And again, I'm not going to go into it in this podcast, but I feel like I need to at least touch on it is spiritual battle that we can face when we open ourselves up to something that is contrary to the kingdom. I think a lot of times believers in their ignorance can open themselves up to things and then they don't understand why they seem to be fighting, 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 and they can't get out of this this war. And it's because they have allowed it. You know, the spiritual kingdom has order and there's rights and authority. Like the enemy most of the time is laughing all the way to the bank because us as believers don't know our authority. We don't understand biblically where we stand. We are we don't spend the time to really go deep in the word and allow the Holy Spirit to bring us revelation. And so we kind of skirt around on the surface. And then when something hits us and we can't do two or three things and pray and suddenly it goes away, we, we don't understand why. And little do we know that we've opened ourselves up to that and we've given the enemy the right to beat us up in that position. So what am I talking about? I'm talking about things that are related to the new age, to the occult, tarot cards, mediums, palm readers, astrology, types of yoga. Yes, types of yoga. Yoga, if you're doing yoga and you're going into the the philosophy and the practices behind it, not just the movement of stretching and everything, but you're being led and willingly opening yourself up in those things, that is a window um, Eastern meditation. There's biblical meditation. We're meditating on the word of God and we're leaning into the Holy Spirit. And then there's meditation that is rooted in Eastern religions and things that are pulling you away from God. And I've seen a lot of believers in ignorance dabble in things. There's a reason why the Bible talks about don't have one. You can't have one foot here on this side in the kingdom and one foot out of the kingdom. That's not going to work. And this is what he's talking about. These things give the enemy rights to your heart and your mind. They gives him authority to mess with you and wreak havoc with you. And until we come to him and we repent and we renounce those things and clean those things out of our lives and remove them, we will not get out from under that wrestling it's like in the Old Testament, there's a battle and, well, this happens repeatedly where Israel is in a, a battle and they conquer an enemy and God says, do not take any idols, anything from that enemy. You can take the cattle or you can take the sheep or whatever, but don't take any any idols. Basically, you need to stay pure. Don't let any of their foreign gods and spiritual things into the camp. And then they go on and then they start, you know, they're winning, but then all of a sudden they start getting defeated. And the leaders start going tent by tent. And they're like, somebody has opened a door. Somebody has brought an idol. And sure enough, they find this person has got an idol and they've hid it under their bed. Why? What is an idol? An idol is anything that we place in God's rightful place in our hearts and our minds. Anything, it's that disobedience of basically turning our away from what God's done 
and we bring something else and give it a high place in our hearts and our minds. Uh, the end of Psalm 139 says, search me, O God, know my heart, try me and see if there is any wicked way in me. In some of the newer versions, it says anxious way in me, but the word for wicked there is a word that is also used for the word idol, oddly enough. So that really changes that verse. It's easy for me to go search me, O Lord, try me, know my thoughts and see if there's anything wicked in me. And for me to go, yes, I'm not wicked. I don't, I'm not a murderer. I'm not an adulterer. I'm not wicked, but see if there's an, you know, it's easy to separate myself. But if I now say, see if there are any idols in me, shoot. Now I have to go, Lord, is there anything I've placed above you? And whether that's something that could be our kids, that could be our spouse, that could be our job, but that can also be opening ourselves up to these other philosophies, these other things where we're yielding to something other than Jesus. We're yielding to something other than Christ, God, what he's done in our lives. Jesus, his blood has paid for us. His, the Holy Spirit has sealed us. So when we open ourselves up to other things, we are inviting warfare. So that's a different kind of warfare. And the only way we can battle that is if we repent and we renounce and we clean that out of our lives and remove that from our purview and our attention. What I'm talking about today is spiritual opposition. So this means I'm moving towards God. I'm growing. I'm leaning into what he's saying. And I'm leaning into my purpose. I'm leaning into furthering the kingdom. I'm engaging in ministry, whether that's within the church, uh, doing ministry, women's ministry, men's ministry. I'm I'm in the prayer ministry. I'm doing evangelism or it's I work at a company and I'm a Christian and I'm sharing my faith and I'm praying for people and I'm in a dark place spiritually, but I am standing as a representation of the light and I will face opposition. You will face opposition. So this is the kind of opposition I'm talking about. So my favorite scripture in regards to this is the book of Nehemiah and you may be going, really? <laughs> Nehemiah? But Nehemiah is an absolute handbook for spiritual opposition. I love it. I will teach on it. I just, it's amazing. And I'm just going to breeze through it really quick to give you an overview. So Nehemiah is a cupbearer to King Artaxerxes. This is at a time where uh, Israel's has had a bad season. <laughs> They've survived captivity, but Jerusalem is in shambles and the walls are broken and the gates are burned and it's just not pretty. And Nehemiah is serving this other king and he gets word from his friends of the state of the union of Jerusalem and the people discouraged and defeated and and not doing well and that the walls are broken down and he's overcome and he's sad and overwhelmed and he weeps and he mourns and he fasts and he prays. Huge thing is that he takes his grief to the Lord. He goes to him and he fasts and he prays. And I'm sure he is lamenting and he's also praying for, and he's probably also asking, what do I do? And 
In chapter two, he goes to work as the cupbearer and the king notices that he's sad and asks him, what's going on? You're never sad in my presence. And then Nehemiah tells him, well, my people, my home is destroyed. And then the king says to him, what do you want? Which I think is such a powerful testimony to Nehemiah's character. We're getting an understanding just in the first chapter and the beginning of the second, who this guy is. He clearly loves God, has a significant faith in and understanding of who God is. He's a man of character. He's a man of integrity because this king, this foreign king, clearly has respect for him. And so he is asked, what do you want? And Nehemiah throws up a quick prayer to God. And then he has a very bold ask. He asks for permission to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the wall. He's not asking for a weekend off. He's asking for a long time. And then he asks for safe passage because he knows he has to travel a great distance to get there. So he asks the king of Persia for letters to give him safe passage. And then he goes so far as to ask for provision of wood from the king's forest to help rebuild the wall. Those are really bold asks of a king that really in a lot of ways doesn't have any vested interest in seeing Jerusalem rebuilt. But God gives Nehemiah favor, and the king grants him all of those things. So there's something really powerful about this because Nehemiah is confident. These are the three things that we learn from who Nehemiah is that every one of us needs to remind ourselves of when we face opposition. Nehemiah has complete trust and faith in who God is. He does not have a distorted image of God. He has a very healthy understanding of God. Number two is Nehemiah does not have any question of his identity as one of God's kids. He has complete confidence and peace about who he is. And third, he has a purpose and he knows what that purpose is. He knows what God has called him to do. And because of that, he has boldness and confidence that God is going to provide for him to accomplish his will. And he never relents in any of those. So Nehemiah goes to Jerusalem. He inspects the walls at night. And the next day he rallies the people. So these people that have been discouraged and really paralyzed and unable to do anything, he rallies them. He encourages them and they start getting excited and they're going to now start rebuilding the wall. So now suddenly the enemies take notice and go, what is happening? And the first thing they do is they go to Nehemiah and they say, what do you think you're doing? And he responds and says, we will rise up, we will build, and God will prosper us. And then he says, and you have no rights or heritage here. That is super significant. Nehemiah knew this enemy had no rights here. This enemy has no authority here. We need to understand that the enemy, if we are leaning into something, we're leaning into the kingdom, we're expanding God's kingdom, we're leaning into ministry moment, uh, being a light in the darkness, the enemy has no authority there. So we have to understand that 
If we don't understand that, then he's laughing all the way to the bank and those weapons formed against us will prosper because we won't realize that and we'll get beat up by his assault. But when we go in knowing you have no authority, I know this, you're going to try to attack, but you don't have authority, that shifts how we position ourselves. So as Nehemiah and the people start building, a series of attacks come. And I'm not going to go deep in them and I'm not going to unpack all of them, but I just want you to see a couple of things. The enemy is going to come at you from a lot of different angles. He's going to try to find your vulnerability. If he comes from this direction and it doesn't work, then he's going to come from another direction. What I love about this is Nehemiah has a completely different response every time the enemy comes. And what I love is Nehemiah, again, never, never relents from complete trust in God, complete confidence in his identity, and complete assurance of what he's called to do in his purpose. He just will not be deterred from any of those. And that's the biggest lesson we can learn here. So here's the types of attacks that come. And if you ever have time, go into Nehemiah and study this because it's a fantastic read. It's an awesome Bible study and you can just get so much. There's so much rich richness in this. So I'm just going to rattle through the list. The different kinds of attacks that come are ridicule, the threat of attack. So there's like rumors of attack, which brings confusion to the people. Discouragement. How many of us have dealt with discouragement? Um, then there's attack coming from within the people. So the enemy starts using the people against themselves with extortion. They start fighting and taking advantage of each other and, and stealing from one another. There's temptation to compromise. That's a biggie. Temptation to come away from purpose. There's uh, slander. They start, the enemy starts spreading rumors about Nehemiah and the people. There's betrayal. The enemy, it's like a Judas situation. The enemy picks off someone within the ranks and uses them to try to bring Nehemiah and the movement to rebuild down. All of these different attacks come and you and I can face some version of every single one of these. And Nehemiah addresses them differently. Sometimes he prays and says, basically, God, you deal with that. Or Lord, you expose their sin. Or Lord, you protect us. Sometimes he has the people, he has people stand watch night and day looking out for the enemies, which gave comfort and peace to the workers. At one point, Nehemiah gets angry. But like the Bible says, in your anger, do not sin. He waits, he steps back and it says, quote, after serious thought, then he dealt with the situation. He doesn't stop working. Sometimes he just sends, you know, the enemies try to say some things by sending letters. And he just sends a response and he puts his head down and keeps going. He's given discernment. And when the betrayal happens, he discerns that there's a lie. And so he is able to protect himself and the people. Nehemiah is a phenomenal example of how we, as believers, should position ourselves, how we should root ourselves deep in our trust in God. We should root ourselves deep in who he says he is, and we should not allow the threat of warfare, of opposition to deter us from our purpose, 
from the things he's placed in front of us. Anything that contradicts what God says about who he is, what God says about who we are, is a lie. If it doesn't originate from him, it originates from somewhere. So the purpose in encouraging you in this is not to cause fear. Oh no, I'm going to deal with spiritual opposition. Quite the opposite. This is for the purpose to give you eyes to see and recognize, oh, (laughs) that's all that is. And then give you the tools to stand so that the weapons formed against you will not prosper. So that in Ephesians 6, you can put on the armor of God so that you can stand when the enemy comes after you. Because Jesus has given us everything we need. His blood covers it all. On the cross, he won. The enemy is a defeated foe. He knows he has limited time. His purpose right now is to thwart the expansion of God's kingdom to take out as many humans and especially believers as he possibly can before his time runs out. So if we can trust and believe who we are and who God is, then we can stand and we can not allow that intimidation to stop us from the work that he's placed in front of us. Well, I hope you were encouraged by this episode. I hope that you feel maybe more empowered. I hope that you take the time to go dive into Nehemiah, to dive into Ephesians, and just to dive into the word in general. There's so much about our authority, about how to engage in spiritual warfare. And I hope that you grow in your boldness and your confidence and understand that if you're receiving opposition, spiritual opposition as you lean in, it means that you're a threat to the kingdom of darkness. And that's a good thing. If you want to learn about worship in warfare, I did a podcast episode. It's season one, episode seven. It was released back in July. That talks about the role of worship in warfare. I really encourage you to go listen to that. So if you enjoyed this episode, I would love it if you would take the time to rate and review it because the more ratings and reviews we get, actually the easier it is for people to find the podcast on iTunes. Also, I would love to hear from you if you want to email with uh, subjects maybe that you would like to hear discussions about. That would be awesome. Also, uh, we are supported by Stockton Ministries, which is a nonprofit organization. If you want to donate to help support the funding of the podcast, Sacred Space, or upcoming projects like the Dwell uh, Scripture Meditation Project or other things that we're doing, we would so appreciate your contribution, your support, and partnership. Well, I hope you have an amazing day, an amazing week. God bless you as you lean into him.
So Father, in Jesus' name, I just pray for everyone who's listening to this. And God, if there are people who are facing opposition, who maybe are weary, are overwhelmed, are discouraged, Lord, I pray right now for peace to cover them. I pray for your spirit to comfort them. I pray for courage to rise up in them. And Lord, would you give them the confidence in their authority and the strength to stand. Lord, we do not want to be ignorant. We do not want to compromise our hearts and our minds. We want to be your kids, your disciples. We want to be ambassadors of you. We want to let our light shine and not hide and not cower and not be deterred by the wiles of the enemy. So Lord, have your way. Shore up your people. I thank you that you are warring on behalf of us. And I pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear and the bold audacity of David running out to face Goliath to say, who dare defy the armies of the living God? Lord, I want that kind of boldness. I want that kind of confidence and assurance. So Lord, have your way, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.